My name is Annie Grossman, and I'm a dog trainer. I'm the owner and co-founder of School for the Dogs, a dog training center located in Manhattan's East Village. On this podcast, I talk about dog training, interview industry experts, discuss pet trends, answer questions, and try to communicate my love for all things related to behavioral science. Thanks a lot for listening. I think this podcast will help make you the best possible human best friend any dog could ask for. I am in a position where I have a lot of friends, colleagues, employees who are amazing dog trainers and really smart, interesting people. And I have tried to get them to come on the podcast and I've had a lot of trouble doing so. Now, I don't think that's because (laughs) they don't like me or they don't like the podcast. I think it's because not everyone is as comfortable talking publicly about, I don't know, things in general and maybe dog training in particular in this way that you're doing when you're doing a podcast where you're sort of speaking to an unknown audience of people in what is sort of an intimate way um, because we're going straight into your ears. And a lot of these people who I respect and love and have learned from are very careful people who don't necessarily have the time to put together all the notes and thoughts that they might like to have, I guess, on hand before talking to me for a recorded conversation for the podcast. And it's something that I think is both a blessing and a curse in my person is I think I generally lay things out, uh, lay out the things that I'm thinking I am not a big plan a header. I am rather impulsive. And I think all of these qualities make it possible to produce a podcast. But also, you know, like I talked about last episode, it can leave me feeling rather vulnerable because I know that I am being very honest about my thoughts and feelings about things and not everyone is going to agree with me. But I believe often in not letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. One thing that my dad used to say that I've really taken to heart in in my work life is that sometimes you got to dare to be lousy because otherwise it's hard to, especially when you're doing anything remotely creative, it can be hard to produce anything at all. So I'm saying all of this because I have found, this is not the first time that I've kind of found I've had to trick someone into being on the podcast (laughs) by not planning ahead with them. Today's podcast, I'm sharing with you an interview or really more of just a conversation I had with my longtime business partner, School for the Dogs' co-founder, Kate Sinisi. We were driving home from a wedding we attended over the weekend and trapped in a car together. She agreed to let me record what we talked about. And I think Kate is just so smart and wonderful. I can't say enough good things about her. We have had, we have developed really, I think, an amazing partnership. I truly think of her and my husband in in different ways as as these uh, wonderful partners in my life that have helped me be a better person. And Kate is a very careful person. You will hear that in this conversation. I'm like loud and all over the place and she's much more thoughtful and even tempered. And it's one of the many things I love about her. 
So yeah, this is our candid car conversation. I have one clip that's in this episode that I actually played also in the last episode, so feel free to skip through that part if you listened to the last episode. And I hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. Different, so I told you, see, I, I told levels. you, told you, Caesar Milan has a new show, right? Yeah, I didn't know that. So you told me. Does it happen that people say, "Oh, you're a dog trainer like Caesar Milan"? Less now. It used to happen more frequently. Well, it might happen more now that he has a new show. But Maybe. Do you think it happens? Do you think it happens less because people think less about Caesar Milan, or do you think it happens less because people? Um, know you better I don't know I just know that I haven't heard that line in a while and actually one time I I mentioned something about saying like, wow I'm surprised you didn't bring up the dog whisper to a particular group of people and they were like who's that and I was like wow never mind wow were so they maybe, much younger than us um no I think they were about our age Really? It would have beeped just now, but did we're they, recording this. So. Did they grow up in like? Did they grow I, up I under rocks? No, <laughs> I just don't think they watch National Geographic channel. Yeah, but I feel like he's beyond just like a person on a channel in so many ways. Have it, but maybe they just. You just said her. I don't know. Well, so how would you compare uh, the training that you do with um, the training that Caesar Milan is best known for? If somebody knowing nothing about dog training said, oh, are you a dog trainer like the dog whisperer? Yeah, I just say it boils down to motivation. So what are you using to motivate the animal? Is it, I want you to not do this because you're afraid of this happening? Or is it that I'm, you're gonna do this because you would like or something good or something pleasant to happen. You can certainly motivate using fear and intimidation. It, it works. It can backfire sometimes, uh, but generally it works. I'm putting that in air quotes. Um, but there are just so many unpredictable side effects that it just seems risky, especially with what we know about behavioral fallout, behavioral suppression seems risky to, to go that route when there's an, a much more sustainable and I guess kinder way you know there's two things um, I've been thinking about um, in terms of Caesar Milan one is one thing that when I, I recorded this podcast the other day this episode of like it was like me in a room by myself thinking about all the ways that uh, I don't like Caesar Milan, but Did you post that one yet? Yeah, I posted it. And uh, but at the end of the episode I was like I feel really vulnerable because I feel like I'm it's well, it's, a, it, it's saying something it's it's saying something that like so many just people just take for granted that he's a genius that and people love him be, and I think it's partially because he has this like underdog way about him that it makes him lovable and people like you know, succeeding at punishment in the short term at least can be quite reinforcing because it makes you feel like you're in control and it makes you feel powerful and watching someone else do that as well. But I, but I also don't think most people don't think about um, punishment and reinforcement the way that you and I think about it. And um, one thing, though, I meant to say that I didn't say is I think before I knew anything about Caesar Milan, if someone had just pointed out to me, like, look, the techniques that we can use to train dogs can also be used to train, like, dolphins. And nobody ever suggests you need to change your energy and be a more authoritative, calm person in order to train a dolphin, right? We take for granted that there are there, there are techniques to get dolphins to do synchronized swimming, and that's what I think is, is um, so compelling about, you know, the the work that we do can be used with any animal, and um, 
you wouldn't expect the things that he's saying you need to do with in order to train dogs to be used with any animal because you know what I'm, well, I'm saying? Well, work to control a dolphin with your body? With your, with your calm energy and a sort of voice? Or with your hands or with your tools? No. Well, or chi- or dog, chickens, right? that's why dogs are special. That's why the people think that they get, they're the exception to this rule. Because they generally do want to please humans, right? So. Well, we don't know what they want, but we can assume. Well, they... I mean, if you've worked with other species and you've worked with a dog, generally dogs tend to be interested more, in us, more right? And more yeah. More right? what? More biddable. Like just biddable? Is that a word? Biddable? Like, will you do my bidding? Yes, I am biddable. Oh. Right. Well, I mean, partially because we've trained them to work with us. Well, even so. a dog, even like this, yeah, I guess that's. We've trained them to. Well, we've and well, well, I mean, we've. We, I guess what I mean is like for gen, you know, if you think about like working dogs, for example, have been bred for a specific purpose and a specific quality, and part of that is devotedness to us. But then the other thing I keep thinking about is um, carrots and sticks, like, and especially in the media with everything that's been going on about, you know, should va- vaccines be mandated? I feel like I keep hearing. Um, people talking about, you know, you can use sticks or you can use carrots. And what they mean is like, you could, you know, you could pay someone to, it's negative reinforcement versus positive reinforcement, right? Like you could say, hey, you can't go into restaurants uh, without a vaccine and you can't do this and you can't do that a vaccine. Like encourage behavior by threatening that you're gonna take away access um, to, I mean, Obviously, it's beyond restaurants. If you want your job, you have to get a vaccine in, in some cases. And um, Versus, you know, hey, we'll give you $100 if you get a vaccine, right? Um, <clears throat> and um, the thing about, you know, using punishment or negative reinforcement versus using positive reinforcement is like nothing endears you to the person who is forcing you to do something or um, or wielding punishment. Like nothing makes you want to be around that person except that dogs are just so freaking forgiving. For freaking for 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 freaking forgiving that um, we that that we can we can do that a lot and they, they still it still feels like they love us they but let us, they let it slide. They let it slide, right? But, but like a, but like you know, if you use punishment on a chicken, but you also want to spend a lot of time in like close proximity to that chicken, you know, you might get rid of the be. I mean, I, I don't know why I'm using chickens as an example, but an animal that you can't physically. I mean, I guess you can physically control a chicken, but like. How about a cow. A cow. <laughs> I don't know. I've never done any cow training. I've done some chicken training. Well, if you want an animal who essentially is going to be like literally in close proximity to you a lot of the time and looking to you for food, shelter, direction, um, direction enrichment, etc. Like if you want an animal with, with, you know, who is basically like not there on by any choice of their own generally speaking right like we put we put dogs into homes they don't um you know they're they're forced they're forced into their position (laughs) as dogs and uh as our like little captured um our little captured animals like uh we want them to feel good about being around us and as soon as you start using force and punishment, it can make one feel not so psyched to be around the person who is supposedly the caretaker. Um, anyway. Right, I agree. And just going back to feeling vulnerable about talking about Caesar Milan, I think it's much bigger than that. And maybe the focus should just be like type of training, this type of training versus this type of training, right? Pros and cons, because he's just one person But sometimes I feel like that type of training that we're talking about, the type of training that talks about these, you know, um, 
using energy energy well if you call it energy which is a word that he's always using you know you, it's not like a measurable kind of energy right it's not it's not something that you can um quantify honestly i don't know what he's up to nowadays i really haven't well i i have i i am not totally up on him but i did watch the trailer for this show and i and i listened to an interview um that he uh did which i can share with you um and i also shared i also shared um um <laughs> you just listen to the podcast episode rather than me telling you about <laughs> i shared <laughs> i shared the um you want to hear the stuff i did shared yeah. it's only gonna take a couple minutes okay Hi, I'm Cesar Milan, and here are 10 reasons to get excited for my brand new show, Better Human, Better Dog. Dogs are mirrors of our expectations. Right now, I want you to take a look at Mr. Lorenzo. We're going to go for a walk with the chickens and the dogs. Girl, you are all over the place. The most powerful sense a dog has is his nose. You'll guide the nose, and the dog will follow. Hey, no, no. Yes. <laughs> Gonna work on the fixation, but that's why it's so important for you guys to also fix your energy. That's a perfect state of mind. Come on. <laughs> hey! This is the way you celebrate with a winnie dog. Yeah! She's doing great. You're doing great. So, yeah, I know you were driving, so you couldn't see that, but... Uh, uh, there... I mean, you could hear it. I don't know... I, I don't know what you can tell from this. I could hear it. What? Yeah, I could hear it. You could hear it. There's a part you didn't see where he dresses up like a hot dog. Um, and then there's a part where he's doing um, some dance moves that are... He looks pretty good, actually. Um, and then there's parts where he's, yeah, it seems like it's kind of like, uh, oh, but that's part of what bugs me. You, you were just saying that there's nothing wrong with trying to make people better in addition to making the dogs better. And that seems like what the yeah. gist of it is. It's, it seems like it. Better people, better dogs. Did I see that on the screen or something? Or did I make that up? Is that the line? Yeah. It, no, no. The show is called Better Human, Better or Dog. Better well, I don't, I, doesn't it seem like a long path to take, though, for solving a lot of the problems that we deal with? Like having to change stuff about the human? I mean, it's not like, you know, what I, w what I would like to have a show on, like... <laughs> but you do have to change as a human. You have you to have change as a human, but I would, like, I would like a show that's like, um, hey, here's what we can do to help your dog by using what we know about behavior and dogs dog behavior specifically but how we can you know well, yeah, change behavior with positive reinforcement or or it's else complicated and TV and, 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 and what I'm saying and that's what you could and and hey look we change the situation with your dog let's look at how we can change the situation in your life using what we've learned rather than what this like that would be to me like the, what a better human, better dog show, something with that title could be called, be like, smarter dog, I mean, better TV, human. But the, TV is pop culture, and they oversimplify pretty much everything. Right, but it, I think that could be oversimplified in its own direction, but to me, like, this is the direction of, like, in order for you to help your dog, you first need to help yourself. And I, I get what's sort of sticky about that, but it annoys me because I think, like, you know, like we, yesterday we were talking and you were talking about how, I think it was, yeah, it was yesterday, like how you need to make things as simple as possible for a client. But you want to make it as simple as possible for them to help their dog. And I don't think like trying to do who you are as a person, I mean, even if it's a something, something as... Why do you think that's what he's doing? Yeah, because I think it's all about like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I think he's about, like, becoming a more uh, positive person yourself. A more, and a more, um, I, I don't think he uses the word domineering, but, like, more confident and, you know, 
<clears throat> I don't know, wait, here, listen to this other, let's wait, listen to this other clip where he no, talks more. Let me say something. Okay, okay, okay. about energy, that's what I was trying to say. This, this phrase energy that keeps getting bounced around, it's, again, that's an oversimplification. Like, yes, sure, your body language, which I think is what people are referring to when they say your energy around a dog is important and it can be very useful to examine that and potentially change something about your body language depending on what's going on but again it's an oversimplification yeah it's one piece of the puzzle. but couldn't you like, couldn't you fake that i mean somebody who's uh yeah, i mean right. god i know dog trainers who are like you know insecure people who you know are on lots of uh medications and uh have a lot of um I don't know, like life problems. No, just generally, generally insecure people who like probably would benefit from, I don't know, like meditation and a yoga practice or whatever, who are good at, who who we can teach how to, we can teach those people how to train a dog. Uh, It's because it's, you know, you can train a dog that's in a different room from you. You you don't, it's not necessarily all about what you're doing with your body. I mean, can't you think of a million, can't you think of... Part. I'm, I'm more concerned that this that this type of training is a too simplistic and b encouraging people to physically challenge or confront their dogs, which can go very wrong and can be dangerous. That's what I'm more concerned about, personally. Well, I, I think that, no, I think that's it. Like, you need to improve yourself. Okay, great. I don't, that just I don't know. That doesn't rub me the wrong way. To me, it, I, I mean, I, I, am, I agree with you about the stuff that annoys you, but, I, but also among, among the things that annoys me is, is that way of going about it because it seems like self-help to help a dog. Human, doing human self-help in order to help the dog in the way that he's suggesting, like deep breathing basically, I feel like is a long route when there are so many, when as a dog trainer, I mean, Think about all the situations that have nothing to do with people. Like, think about all the training issues, for instance. You know, you can move a... a training issue that has nothing to do with people. Like a behavior Um, issue. Like a dog who's stressed out about um, being on the streets of New York City, okay? Which is many dogs, right? Now, like, you know, Ginger is a dog who... And I've talked about Ginger before. Ginger... You know, with Anna and Alan, like, I, I don't think Ginger pays attention to Alan and Anna because of their uh, confident, confident body language as much as, like, they have figured out, you know what, like, she's happier when we don't have her out on the New York City streets, so let's minimize how much she has to be out on the city streets. Like, to me, there, there's some dog training that's like that. The dog that's freaking out about living in New York City with people who can go live with people somewhere where there's more space, well, for example. That really isn't training, though. That's just the beha- But it's a changing of behavior. The dog's behavior is going to be changed based on the environment that you put the dog in, right? Right. But it's not going to be changed in the city. No, but you're... you're... It's avoidance of the city urban anxiety. I'm not saying it's not valid. I'm just saying it's not training the dog to be better about the city. It's just avoiding the trigger or minimizing I think of it, I mean, I, I know what you mean. It's not part of, like, tra- if you define training as as teaching a dog to feel and behave differently. But I feel like as a dog trainer, sometimes that is the answer. Don't you feel like that? For Like, how, how can I be happier and live a happier life? How can I give this dog a life that's happier than the life I'm giving him? Yeah. Like, sometimes that's rehoming the dog. Or, or in Anna and Alan's case, they did not rehome the dog, but... They, when, the, when they are in New York City with the dog, they have figured out how to arrange the environment in a way that's going to help the dog, you know, be super happy as opposed to, I right, mean... Right, but do, that, will, that will be up to the, the client and the but dog. Like, but with, with, with Ginger, with for example, do you think, I mean, Anna's an excellent trainer. Do you fault Anna for not training Ginger to walk outside no that's what i'm saying it's up to the, the trainer or the, the guardian or the client right and their dog if that's if that is fine with them then that's a fine solution there are some clients who would say no i want to continue with counter conditioning and desensitizing my dog to be 
out okay outside for certain amounts of time. And then in that case, that wouldn't be the resolution that they would want. Well, for a dog like Ginger, I think that could not be done probably without medication. Right. Well, then that's a separate topic. Whole other can of worms to get into. Uh, it, okay, that's true. It's a whole other can of worms. Let's stick with the can of worms that were that we already opened. You're absolutely right. See, this is why. This is you why. Like so competitive on these things. My God, I can't get a word in edgewise. I'm sorry. Are you getting heated about Caesar Milan? Yes. Why? What is what is it about it that bugs you so much? That's what I'm trying to express on this podcast episode, Kate. No, no. I mean, I mean, do I wish I had as much money as he did? I guess. Yeah, sure. Is he rich? I would buy a nice house in the suburbs. <laughs> I didn't know he was rich. You didn't know he was rich? No. I, get, I, really pay, I don't really pay that much attention to him or I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at his checkbook, but I think he's doing pretty well. Okay. I mean, he has he he has a dog psychology center on many acres of land in California, and we don't. I mean, so am I jealous of that? Like, do I wish we could afford to have like some massive facility where we could have people come and stay with us overnight with their dogs, so that we could help them and their dogs as much as possible? And, <clears throat> solve problems and do fun stuff. That I, yeah, I guess I'm jealous. I'd like that. Wouldn't you like that? I guess so. I'm pretty happy where we are. I know. Well, I'm. I'm not saying that we. We don't have a our own space and our own amazing thing. We do. I'm just saying, like, it would be cool if we could have if it was like huge, <laughs> which I guess is something he has. But it's not about jealous. No, I know. I feel annoyed. I feel like. I feel like the stuff that he is all about is um, like like if you and I were devoting our lives to um, to uh, evolution and to um, I don't know studying the work of Darwin and helping people understand that and uh, and then like the most popular show on TV was like about or the most the thing most synonymous with the thing that we are studying uh, was all about creationism. Like, wouldn't that be kind of yeah, frustrating? That's, that's, that's how I think of it. Of, like, that's the story of television, though, right? I, I can't think of... Okay, well, I'm not... I guess you're, like, stuck on the medium. I'm sorry I'm interrupting you. But I, I'm not stuck... I, I don't care about the medium. It's not about television. It's my podcast. I can interrupt. You can just talk. To it's my car. Rant to yourself, then. All right, I'll shut up. I promise. Okay, you go. <laughs> what am I supposed to be commenting on? I just think if we're talking about methodology, which I think seems more fruitful to me than talking about one person's... I, yeah, I get that he has a wide reach, but it seems more fruitful to talk about methodology. We're talking about resolving behavior conditions, like regression, anxiety, right? Those are the big things that people, it's not really about, like, oh, I can teach a dog to nose target. I think pretty much every trainer would agree they would use positive reinforcement to train hand targeting, right? Nose targeting. The bottom line is, like, it's not easy to resolve these behavior conditions, right? So anybody who's saying, like, I've got this magic bullet, or you can send your dog to me for a week, or I can, I can fix this in three hours, just be wary. It's probably not going to happen. And the fallout of what that person might do could be something that lasts forever, could make the, the behavior much, much worse, could make your dog more dangerous. Hold on, the GPS is talking. Um, I forgot, I lost my train of thought now. Oh, it's not easy. I mean, just, you know, think, look at humans and look at human behavior conditions, right? People go to therapy for years. They take, maybe they take behavior medications for years for things like anxiety, depression, post-traumatic stress, right? So we know it's complicated. We know it takes time, unfortunately. Um, so if you're working with a behavior consultant or someone who knows what they're doing, they're going to be honest with you about that. It doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean you can't be done. It's 
not possible really to solve complex behavior problems in three hours or a day or even like sending a dog away for a week it still even has to be maintained but what if you what if you as a trainer cha change your energy i mean based on what i just said what do you think <laughs> i'm asking i'm asking the question yeah no i don't think that could, I, I don't think that can solve a complicated behavior problem maybe maybe it's one component in a particular case maybe like Teaching a human good leash handling skills will help with the way that their dog reacts when they're walking them or doesn't react, for sure. But it's one component, many components. Does energy relate to leash handling? Do you need good energy in order to have good leash handling skills? I don't know what good energy is. I, I, I guess you need to define that. Like, or Caesar Milan needs to define what energy is. Is it like, is it my vibe? Is it my body language? Is it what's going on in my brain? Can you do look at me and see an aura? Do you, I, people do that, right? You, they look at you and they're like, this is your aura. This is your energy. I don't really know how to define or measure that, so I, I don't know how to answer that question. Um, I want to play you this other clip because I think he talks a little bit more about what energy is. Hold on. Great. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? Good. How's New York? Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations on your new show. Thank you so much. Thank you. So, Better Human, Better Dog. How would you say this series maybe differs from Dog Whisperer, which a lot of people remember you from? Well, Dog Whisperer, I used to go to people's home, you know, and now people are coming to my land, my dog psychology center, 43 acres of magic. And so I have my own area where I can help people immediately practice, you know, uh, all the activities, stretch, walk, run, rest, and uh, sometimes they sleep. They do stay at, at, the, at the ranch because I want to make sure that as soon as they wake up, they learn about the formula, the rituals, and the symbols, you know. So I, I, now I have a place where people can stay over, and so, I, so they can submerge themselves in, in my philosophy, you know, and with my community and with my animals. And so people just learn, uh, you know, what, how do I, how do I do things? Why my energy is always a certain way, calm, comfort, love, and joy. Why I always practice exercise, then mental stimulation, then, then affection. Why I follow that formula, you know? So I bring in people into my land now with my community and my animals and my family. So it's going to be completely different. It's definitely, it's like when people go to India, <laughs> they go over there mm -hmm. so they can practice that. So people come into my ranch to submerge themselves and just, and just to uh, to be free. So, what kind of issues are most most coming to your ranch? Uh, is there one in particular that seems to plague people? Well, you know, I've, I'm known f uh, to to be the guy who can help you with aggression. I know I am known. It's only three, you know, side effects a dog can develop: is aggression, fear, or ignoring you. You know, ignoring you is like, oh, my dog doesn't listen to me. You know, he runs through the streets and chases the squirrels and things like that. That's that's dangerous uh, to the dog, you know, and annoying to the human. But de definitely the aggression is definitely a, a, a behavior that is dangerous to society. So the first episode, uh, we, uh, we're dealing with a dog named Goliath. That, uh, his owner has, uh, a, you know, a neurological problems such as uh, uh, seizures and and so when the paramedics come to him, uh, Goliath becomes overprotective, rightfully so, you know. Um, and so we are going to turn, well, actually, we turned that dog into uh, a dog that can not be able to, you know, help that, the, the, his human into a service dog. So now Goliath, the pit bull, uh, who was showing signs of aggression, we turn him into a paramedic. Wow. Um, is this, do you feel like any dog can be rehabilitated into into a good pet or are there some that are just even you find that you you can't help no, many times it's not if the dog can't change. Many times it's if the human is willing to do the work. And, and the truth is many times the energy of a human is too, too soft for the dog, so it's not compatible. You know, so it is so many people rescue a dog for the wrong reasons. And that's why it's very important to for people to understand energy. You know, most of the friends that you have are compatible to you. That's why you get along. And so and sometimes uh, family members, you're not compatible. 
so you don't get along with them. You see it? So, so that energetic understanding is very important. So you never have to worry about is, can I ever change the dog? Because your energy just by being a little stronger than the dog automatically gives the dog a sense of direction. You know, so you, your energy have to be calm, confident in order for the dog to share calm, open-minded. Well, what do you hope people can take away from watching your show? Oh my God, uh, fully understanding that we don't have problems with mother nature, in this case with a dog, that the, uh, the, the formula uh, how to achieve happiness with a dog is learning how to connect, learning how to communicate, learning how to achieve the, the relationship that we're all looking for, which is trust, respect, and love. Imagine a world full of trust, respect, and love. It just, we will be super positive. We'll be uh, a better planet, you know? That's why I'm saying better human, better dog, because the human needs to achieve this calm, comfort, love, and joy. The human needs to achieve trust, respect, and love. The human needs to do exercise, discipline, affection, body, mind, heart. So once you accomplish that, and then you can go to the Olympics. You see what I mean? That only the people that prepare themselves to be, you know, positive, calm, confident, fade, and all of that, they go to the Olympics. So also, those are the better humans, right, to represent in the Olympics. So in this case, you know, uh, how you become a better human is just about you, your energy becoming calm, comfort, love, and joy, regardless if you don't have money, right? Because this is not about money, fame, and power. Animals don't care about money, fame, and power. Animals can live with homeless people. Animals can live with handicapped people. Animals can live in the jungle of the Amazon. So it's not about, you know, the wealth that we human think we must have to have a dog. Because a lot of people say, oh, I don't have a house. Oh, I don't, but homeless people don't have a house. Oh, I don't have a big backyard. Uh, doesn't matter. That's not what makes a dog happy. What makes a dog happy is you know how to connect, communicate, and have a natural, simple, profound relationship. Okay, tell me your thoughts. I just said I, he's changing, it sounds like, his like, sort of phrasing and, I guess, um, catchphrases. like Calm, confident, love, and joy. Well, like, relationship-based training. Like, I, you could make a case like that that's what, the kind of training we do, too. So, I, think, I don't know. I think the tide is shifting. I think people are starting to recognize that um, there are better and more sustainable ways to work with dogs that have behavior problems and that's why I think a lot of trainers who may have they may call have called themselves balanced or aversive or whatever we might label them as aversive I think they're changing their marketing verbiage language to reflect I guess what is maybe a more savvy client um, although then that makes it a little bit more difficult for the for the prospective client to figure out what kind of methods people are going to use, but I, I don't know. I think it shows that the tide is is changing a little bit, which is a good thing. You also you said the word mumbo jumbo before that phrase. The phrase mumbo jumbo. You're right. I, I don't, mumbo jumbo's probably yeah. not a word. <laughs> what did you mean by I, that? I don't. I don't want to like speak ill of another person I, I think um, you know that's that's his jam that's fine I get it um, I don't know that there was a lot of really particularly hopeful um, salient amount of details in there that somebody could really take away and like I don't know implement there are not a lot of action steps right that's how I think of it right well, that's why I said mojo well like if I tell you like you need to be a more calm confident love and joyful person like what is step one? I don't know. Uh, I yeah. Think, I think if we're looking at the silver lining, it's that relationship-based training is being more widely adopted. And hopefully that means that alpha rolling and like these old school confrontational techniques are starting to go away because I don't know how you could possibly argue that alpha rolling a dog or zapping them with your fingers is relation-based and is going to encourage trust between human and dog, right? So I, I would hope that means that he's not doing at least the confrontational techniques anymore, although I'm not sure. I don't know either. I haven't seen the show. But relationship isn't necessarily a good relationship. I mean, you can have a relationship with a parent who, who spanked you. Yeah, but I would, I would bet that by saying relationship-based training, that's probably leaning towards like developing a bond with trust and 
so it's implied that it's, you know, it's meant to be a good relationship, but you're right, it's not good relationship-based training. I've had, I've had plenty of bad relationships. <laughs> a relationship, it's, it's a funny euphemism because relationships are not necessarily good. But he also, in the other clip I played, you know, you see these people yelling, no, 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 they're not. Um, yeah, well, some people would argue that's effective communication. Oh, well, I would say it's effective if you only have to do it once. If you're having to, like, yell no, no, no at your dog right. all the time. And this then... is where the, you know, the nuanced learned, um, educational background comes into play, like, where you can explain that to a client, right? If you understand learning theory. I mean, it's not really that nuanced, but... Um... I, I, I hear Mumbo Jumbo because I'm like, yes, of course, Amazon, uh, like animals can live in the Amazon, you know? Right. I don't know what that really has to do with anything. And then he talk, he's talking about homeless people. I don't understand that part. Like, homeless people can have dogs too, and they do. Oh, is that what he's saying? I think so. Yeah. And that they can, and that they, they can, can have, have dogs, dogs who can listen to them? So you can be a homeless person, but be... I've seen some really well-adjusted dogs living with with people on the street. Oh, no, I don't doubt that I, at all. I don't doubt that at all. I'm just trying to understand what the point is when he's saying that in the same breath as, like, there are animals in the Amazon. I think you should him for this podcast. You can ask him these questions yourself. I, yeah, I mean, I don't know if he'll come on. Maybe I should, maybe I should ask. I would ask. It could be, it could be a learning moment, maybe for you and him. If we do want to, like, if we do want to change other people's minds, it has to start with some kind of, like, outreach, right? And just a discussion. What would you, if you, if you could ask, if you could interview him and ask one question, what would that question be? I don't know. I would have to think about that. I don't have one on the top of my head. I mean, I I guess I would just ask um, if he's still using confrontational techniques like alpha rolling pinning and you know using like the hand the bite the bite thing where you like take your fingers and like jab a dog in the, in the neck I would just want to know if he's using those still those techniques and if so um then I don't know maybe then I'd have a follow-up question what would and if, if he said yes what would your follow-up question be I don't know <laughs> Uh, well, I think he, um, the other clip I played in the episode I did, which I won't force you to listen to, uh, is the interview he did years ago with Alan Tishmark, where he taught, and Alan Tishmark says, like, well, you, you, you shot collars with dogs, you hit them, and he's like, no, it's not a hit, it's just a tap, and, and the, and Tishmark is like, I wouldn't want to be tapped like that. Uh, remember that video where he's kicking dogs? No. There was this compilation video. Actually, I think it's still on, I think it's still on uh, YouTube. I think yeah, I have it I mean, linked to it. That stuff's like seriously unpopular now. I really doubt that he's still doing that. I can't imagine. It's not cool to kick dogs, guys. I mean, it never was, but you think so? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like we're in a bubble of... No, I feel like at least... Of positive people, reinforcement training. People are using... They're using shock collars. So it's like, at least they are not part of the equation. The dog doesn't really understand the humans holding the, the remote. Right? But I mean, it's just like, it's ridiculous how easy it is for a dog to just immediately become afraid of someone if they're kicked. Right? So I don't know why you... How would you ever be able to establish trust and a, and a bond with an animal if you're physically hitting or kicking them. I think that the shock collar works in the way that it, you know, it works the way it does because it creates something aversive for the animal, but you're not really associated with it. Well, you could be. You could be, yeah. If you're not using it correctly, for sure. Or any, not, anything not could pro be. I'm not pro-shock collar, by the way. I'm just saying. It's, a, it's, I guess, a little bit better in a way than somebody kicking a dog, right? Because at least, I don't know. At least the human is maybe somewhat removed from that equation. You have at least a better chance of maybe trying to 
rebuild a bond that you might have damaged if you use, you know, if you've used a piece of equipment like that than if you had kicked your dog. I see what you're saying. But I think there are probably a lot of people who have, who have done and or do both. No? Yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, I see, I still see leash jerks a lot in my neighborhood. I wouldn't say a lot, but every, every once in a while, leash jerks, hear yelling. I haven't seen anyone kick a dog. How do you, how, I know this is not about Susan Milan, but since we're talking about controversial subjects and I still have you trapped in the car, God. how do you, how would you deal with explaining to somebody um, the problems about electric fences? The problems or you mean if a client said I want to install an electric fence or I have an electric fence, or like, what's the context, what do you mean? Uh, I have a piece of land. I don't want to put up a fence, so I'm going to put up an electric fence. Um, so, I mean, an invisible fence. So yeah, that, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of so that my dog towns have um, rulings against physical fences. So for some people, that that's not. But I just, I just don't like the aesthetic of putting up a fence, and I, and uh, I don't want to pay for it. Right. Well, a physical fence will be much safer. A um, dogs can easily just absorb the shock and run through an electric fence. I've seen it happen before. I've, 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 I've heard of it happening. Heard of it happening yeah. and then the neighbor's dog is killed. Right. Um, I mean, if you really were to teach the dog to hear the warning beep and come back to you, like say, let's say you use like positive reinforcement to train that, I wouldn't have the, the biggest problem with it, but I, I really think what I would focus on is just that a physical fence is honestly much safer and that there are other ways that you could have the dog out. Like you could have the dog on a tie out. Um, the dog should, in my opinion, be supervised anyway when they're outside. If they're outside, like running the fence line all day, stalking prey, they're doing things that you have no control over. Um, and you are much, much less valuable in their world than all of the stimuli that they're paying attention to outside. So it's also a training issue if you want like your dog to be compliant or deferential or look to you, you want to have control over things in the environment. So you don't want them sitting out there doing that all day. So if you're, if it's supervised, then you know what the argument against like a tie out or a long leash or some other way that they can be free without um, being confined by a fence. Uh how do you do you think it's possible that an electric fence can cause a dog to um, be triggered by uh, of course. unusual yes. things in the environment or yeah. people coming into the home or cause the dog to uh, bark well, incessantly? That's the, that's the risk, right? We don't know. Like, yeah, for some dogs, they may have live with an electric fence for five years and have no behavior problems other dogs sometimes we learn and it's pretty clear that the problem was exacerbated or potentially even um, created by the association of being shocked or feeling pain with the appearance of a stimuli yeah i mean and that's what's that's part of what's scary to me about it is you don't know what stimuli your dog is associating with that shock that's a huge risk that's all i'll say and it could be it could make something like barking worse because you know let's and it, you might not even know the stimuli because you know it's possible your dog heard something that you couldn't hear a dog barking far off that you couldn't hear at the same time that the dog got shocked right yeah or all kinds ups of, man all kinds in. of associations that or a child running by could right? come by yeah that we could come you wouldn't explain that to someone, though, if they were asking about shock collars and getting an electric fence, uh, an invisible fence? Well, I fence. would probably start with the safety thing, and then if they were still stuck on that, I'd get into the association thing again. I mean, right, it depends on the client, and it depends on how much time I want to spend talking to them about this. And if they're already pretty much bought into reward-based training, and I can just explain the safety issue to them, I would probably start there, right? So we talked about this yesterday. It's like amount of information in my head. I can never disseminate all that information in like an hour or an hour and a half, 
right? So I have to really pick and choose and start with what I think might be the easiest way to get someone to either do or not do something. And then if I still need additional support, I can, you know, think of all the other reasons why um, it might be important not to do something or to do something. And well, to go back to Caesar Milan and my my beef that is less beefy to you is, is that I don't feel like I don't feel like he's giving clear instructions on how to actually improve your energy and be well, a better what, person. So that's what it is. So it, we've gotten to the bottom of it. <laughs> like if he was it only like, took us an hour. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not disseminating things into uh, clear, concise action items or steps. Yeah. Well, that maybe that's your interview right there is step one. What do I do to become a calm, assertive, or whatever his, phrase, his catchphrase, calm, assertive? I don't know. In that clip, he keeps talking about calm, confidence, love, and joy. Mm. He has these, like, clumps of words that he says together like that. Like, I guess they're, like, his taglines. Yeah. There's a, there was another one, another thing he keeps saying, kept saying in that bit. But I, I know, calm, confident, love, and joy. Um, it's catchy. Well, I mean, like, I think our our training can help people be more calm and confident and have more love and joy in their life. I would just never like say those words to try and sell people on. Maybe that's why he's a millionaire. <laughs> Maybe we if need we need some better catchphrases. <laughs> Do we have any catchphrases? No. Uh, eat your homework. Uh, train with train with your brain. I've heard that one before. That's train without pain train using your brain. Pain. Me. I'm not taking credit for that. I think it was no, me. Really? No. no. Train without pain. Pain. Train without pain. Using your brain. How about just train using your brain? Brain. Train. Train. Brain. Uh, that was our first, when we first put up flyers, ten years ago. It's our tenth anniversary, Kate. That's what we should be talking about. Our tenth anniversary. We should be celebrating, not focusing on. Okay. Well, let's celebrate. Say something celebratory. Here. We're about to go through the Holland Tunnel. We may lose you guys. So sorry. <laughs> we may have to end this podcast early. Say something positive and nice about 10 years of School for the Dogs, of putting up with me. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't have to be about me. I think, well, I'm going to say, I think for both of us, we have we've come a long way, both in terms of like our own personal growth and development and then also I think as a business as partners together and I think we have we have a wonderful partnership we support each other there are a lot of things I don't like to do that you love to do which makes me very happy and I believe vice versa, versa if I may speak for you and I look forward to another 10 years with you hot enough oh the nicest thing I've ever said about us yes possibly <laughs> All right. I think maybe we should end things there. I've I've annoyed you enough. Okay. Well, I feel like we only talked about Caesar Milan. Okay. Was well, then the point, was that the point of this one? No. No. no I mean, I I don't have a point. We can just put that part at the end. I don't have a point. Well, okay. Well, let's say some other say some other things. Um, oh well, I can say some other things. So. Or, I mean, you could talk about something else if you want. You could talk about meta signals. <laughs> no, but you could say some other things about where, about what you've learned or, or where you want things to go. I'd like or, for us to, I'd like for us to really focus on, I don't know, like very urban specific dog training could be kind of our niche. Yeah. And it has been our niche. I just feel like, I feel like dog trainers, like whenever we go anywhere else outside of New York City, look at like a dog training facility or just you know talk to to those trainers it's just so different what they're what they're doing and what they're able to do with more space and I think one of the challenges and I think one of the things we do best is basically adapt training for urban dwelling dogs and it's like it's just a whole it's a whole different game how would you describe the what they have that we don't have or space. vice versa. But right. But like how, why is space important? Asks someone who uh, knows nothing about what you do pretend. So space is important because every dog, well, and every human has a social bubble 
right? So like a bubble in which I am comfortable having things outside of the bubble, but maybe when they get in the bubble, I'm not so comfortable. And unfortunately, for, like a distance. Yeah, I mean, I think of it as not a like an not like an energetic bubble. <laughs> See where you're going with that? No, no, seriously. No, yeah, like a threshold, right? But I think of it as like a circle around me, right? And most dogs, I don't know what the average probably like comfort level distance is, probably 10 feet or something from like, you know, maybe new people, new dogs. And unfortunately living in New York City, that's just constantly violated, right? I mean, you're, you're within like two to three feet of people and other dogs just for pretty much most of the time you're outside with a dog. Um, so that's one thing is the space and then also the saturation. So the amount of dogs, the amount of people that you encounter, if you're out with a dog, um, you know, on a walk in a suburb, you may encounter like two or three other people and maybe one or two dogs. So it makes it much easier to control, um, you know, your dog's distance to that, to those, those different stimuli, also their response. And, you know, there's only two or three for you to practice with, right. Versus in the city walking around, that may be like 20 or 30 people and then maybe like five dogs that you encounter on a walk. It's just you're constantly having to scan the environment, observe your dog, and basically work or kind of like train with your dog every time you're outside. And that's a lot for people to keep up with. And you don't have as much control over the distance, of course, at which you can, you know, be near other people or other dogs or things in the environment. Right. Well said. Also, it's, well, it's interesting. People just can't keep up with it because you're, what you're saying is like, you have to bring your dog outside. Yeah. Unless you and have a you, backyard. You have to bring your dog outside and it's a lot of work to make sure that they are um, doing all the things you want them to do behavior wise and not doing the things you don't want them do behavior wise outside on the street on leash because there's so many unknown variables um so it's like you have you have variables you can't control um you have the need to be uh really focusing the whole time and um rewarding good behaviors with whatever you're using as a reward be that going in the other direction or food or to a play or just verbal praise or whatever and you have to be doing that out a lot yeah um and you have to be figuring out what what the correct reinforcer is in that situation. There's so much to because, consider. Yeah, it's always changing. And on top of that, not only can you not control the environment, but you can't control how, um, you can't control distances the same way you can control, like in an outdoor envir environment in the suburbs or wherever. You know, maybe like if you're in a big parking lot, sure, there's still variables there you can't control, but like those variables are gonna be at a larger, at a greater distance. Right. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan of using parking lots. Well, in Brooklyn, we have parking lots. Manhattan, we don't really have parking lots there to use. But in where I live in, in Bushwick, um, there are quite a few parking lots. And probably, I'm sure, in other neighborhoods, Brooklyn and Queens. And those can be really helpful for, like, setups, for training setups, instead of just, you know, working on the sidewalk, basically. What else do I have to say about urban dog training? I don't know. I think that's pretty much it. Also, I mean, maybe maybe someday someone will do studies on um, processing auditory and visual stimuli at such a high rate and see, you know, how that affects. I mean, realistically, I have to imagine that if you're looking around and seeing a lot of things and you're hearing a lot of things, and you're navigating, like, you know, how close you come to people and not walking into this tree. Like, it's got to be pretty taxing on your brain. And I'm guessing that probably, like, adrenaline and cortisol levels are higher because you're just, you just, there's so much going on that you have to be processing. Um, and I'm just, I wonder if that has an effect maybe on humans and on dogs as far as just our baseline level of stress being in, a, in an urban environment or in, in an environment with such a large amount of stimuli. Somebody should do a study on that. Maybe they, maybe have, they already have. Maybe they already have. Yeah. I, I feel like actually maybe there have been some studies in humans 
um, urban dwelling humans. I don't know that there have been any for dogs yet. Well, I'm sure also just some of that stuff has been studied in smaller slices, like how repetitive loud music uh, or repetitive loud sounds make um, an animal feel versus, you know, more calm sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's, you're right. I think ur urban living is its own. Welcome to New York. Um, and, uh, I think our, um, I think our sidewalk psychos class is pretty special. And Stranger Danger is coming out too. Fun. Do you want to explain September. what Stranger Danger is for, with, with, maybe, yeah, talk about what that class is. Maybe you can also talk about what psychos is. Okay, Stranger Danger, it's brand new. It's the first time I'm running it. It should be fun. Um, it's in person or online? It's in person, of course, because we need strangers. And Will anybody be dressed as a hot dog? <laughs> I don't think we have a hot dog uniform. No. But probably some hats, maybe some fake beards. Yeah. Um, so Stranger Danger is a class designed for, it's only up to four dogs, and it's designed for dogs who either maybe bark, lunge, or growl at strangers um, on the street or entering their apartment. And it allows the guardians to practice um, techniques in a controlled environment, which will, which then they can transfer, you know, to the streets or, and or in their home, in their apartment, uh, when their dog needs to be around someone that's unfamiliar. Or in some cases, even familiar people, if they're outside of the dog's social circle, they may also react this way to them. So that's that class, and we're going to have, I'm going to be the first stranger as the trainer, and then we'll have, I think, two or three others, probably just working on the top of the stairs. Um, if you haven't been to our training center, the, the ground floor, the biggest classroom room, there is a set of stairs going down there, and just having someone appear at, like, you know, halfway down the stairs will probably be a lot for most of these dogs. Um, so we'll start there, and if we can progress to having them, you know, come further down the stairs, we will. We'll just probably depend on who's enrolled in the class and, and what, you know, what the dogs can handle. We'll, we'll go at their pace. It has to be a requirement, however, for dogs to be able to be in a room with other dogs. Correct. No? Although they will be in pens, so the, set, the setup will be similar to Sidewalk Psychos. They'll have some visual barriers set up. Uh, so they won't really have to be looking at the other dogs. They'll just have to be in the same room with the other dogs. Is the class full yet? I think so. Yeah. Because I would love for Poppy to do that class, perhaps with Jason, but if it's full. Did you not know that that was a class? No, I did. No. I just I just never want to sign up for things because I don't want to take spots oh, okay. for other people. But, but maybe we could um, stream some of it or something like that. I'll just teach you the same skills once no. a week. <laughs> no, you want to be in the class. Let's see, well, maybe, want... someone, maybe someone will drop out, or maybe I can squeeze five dogs in. Let me okay. see who's on the roster, and if it's an easy, or if it's like familiar dogs, then maybe we can squeeze a fifth in. I just wish we could like stream more classes. I think that would be cool. That would be great. Give away our um, classes for free, or for paid, you mean? Uh free or for paid i don't know in some in some manner um and how would you describe sidewalk psychos to someone who does not know what sidewalk psychos is that class sidewalk psychos is designed for dogs who may be overly reactive when they see another dog so that might look like staring barking growling, lunging, spinning on, spinning on the leash. Um, and similar setup there, it's four dogs only, controlled setup, and we start with the dogs, you know, just working on having them relax in the same room as each other, and then add in some visual contact, and then adding in, the dogs are sitting and standing, looking at each other, and then walking. It's the final challenge there. Inside or outside? 
level one is inside, level two, which we haven't had in a while, is outside. We're working on getting that going again. And level two actually is really, really a lot of fun because not only do we, well, historically we have gone outside as well, uh, but we can also, we talk more about greetings, facilitating greetings in the, in the class, one-on-one -on -one potentially, um, maybe some play appropriate or just uh, you know interactions some other form of like successful interactions between the dogs maybe it's just walk, parallel walking walking past each other maybe it's mutual sniffing if they're not interested in play basically other ways for dogs to be close to dogs have a good time and not have to do the face-to-face -face reading if they're not good at that that's all I have to say about that <laughs> Okay. Anything else you want to say about anything? Oh, thanks for having me on your podcast. I do have more to say. I'm just driving. Well, I mean, you're welcome to be on the podcast like every week. I would say you're never not welcome. It's just hard to pin it's hard to pin you down. Um, well, maybe we just need to go road tripping more. Huh. Okay, well, I'm stopping recording. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Bill and Lizzie of Toast Garden for the amazing theme song. You can find Toast Garden at youtube.com slash toastgarden. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping at storefortheDogs.com. And you can learn more about us at schoolforthedogs.com. You can also connect with other listeners by downloading our brand new app. Just visit schoolforthedogs.com slash community.